Greetings and welcome back to Season 2, Episode 37 of the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name is Aaron Sandemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today we have the phenomenal opportunity to sit down with Pastor Nicole Schreiber, um, who pastors in uh, Erie, Pennsylvania. And uh, I get to ask her questions um, about her time in Chi Alpha, and um, in, is a home missionary, her and her husband, and uh, just a lot of um, great lessons from that. And then ask her about where her love and passion for God's Word comes comes from and now she's transitioned to the local church and uh, just a interesting to hear lessons as she's made that transition and I think things that could be applicable to all of us when we think about ministry transition or, or transition in general. I do want to thank Pastor Rod Loy for making the connection and um, so that we could sit down with Pastor Nicole today and have this interview. I do want to ask you to continue to send in your questions for Back Channel with Foth. That's where we sit down with um, Dick Foth and present him some questions and get to learn from his wisdom and experience experience and insight. Do want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, which would be Wes and Peggy Reed, collaborators in life and in mission. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here today with a new friend, Pastor Nicole Schreiber, um, all the way in Pennsylvania. Welcome to the Clarity Podcast. Nicole, could you go ahead and just share a little bit about yourself um, uh, for the audience? Yeah, thank you so much for um, having me. I'm so excited uh, for our conversation today. Uh, my name is Nicole Schreiber, like you mentioned, and I am born and raised in Pennsylvania, Erie, Pennsylvania, actually, which is kind of Northwest in the state. Um, I went to college in Springfield, Missouri. I studied uh, middle school education. I'm a reader, I'm a writer, so it's kind of the English vein of that. And um, and then from there, um, I am married. My husband's name is Joel, and he's a full-time Kyle missionary, uh, which we had done together for uh, just over 12 years until my recent um, shift. We have three daughters. Uh, wow. Cecily is 13, Haley is eight, and Mercy is six. So they all wow. started school this week, uh, eighth third and first grade. Wow. Uh, so we're super blessed. And um, I am currently the lead pastor at Erie First Assembly. I've been here uh, just coming up on five years. Uh, so it's been an incredible journey, a very, the most challenging thing in my life, but also the most um, rewarding and blessing. And then I most recently started my grad school journey. Uh, wow. So I'm one class down, okay. <laughs> but I'm very proud of at least getting one class down. It'll take me quite a few years, but I'm going to get a master's of theology from the University of Valley Forge. Wow. Very, very cool. So it sounds like you, you're not sitting still very much. So <laughs> <laughs> not sitting still very much at all. So, so, Hey, before we, I had some other questions, but tell me about the transition um, from Chi Alpha missionaries to lead pastor of a church. Can you just share how did that happen? And maybe some lessons you learned in the process. Yeah. Uh, so my journey, I think from one ministry to the other was unique. I think everyone's is the Lord, you know, has all kinds of different ways, how he puts people in the right places at the right time. Uh, but mine was unique in that um, I had felt uh, the lead pastor at Erie First, it was our home church, and he had asked me if I would be willing to come on staff with him. Um, so I left Chi Alpha, loved Chi Alpha. It was just an incredible experience for us, but felt like the Lord was, um, you know, moving in my heart to maybe serve the local church for a while. 
So I came on staff. Uh, He had been here 21 years, had done an incredible job, um, very loved by our community and our church. Uh, But in a kind of strange turn of events, unplanned really for all of us, he ended up putting in his resignation just two weeks after I took the job. And so I said, oh, well, I thought I was coming to work (laughs) with him and for him. I had a great deal of respect for him. Uh, But the Lord had some other plan. And so anyway, before I got my first paycheck, they said, Hey, will you be the interim lead pastor? (laughs) And I said, uh, now my, um, you know, one of the things that I've always said to the Lord is I'll say yes to him. Uh, even before I know what's on the table, before I know all the consequences, right. So we'll always, that's as many missionaries, that's what we have to do, right. Is just say yes before you see the whole picture. And so I think my missionary, uh, those 12 years of being a missionary actually really prepared me for that moment where I said, okay, you know, I'll, if this is yeah. what the church needs, I said, I'd serve the local church. So let's do it. So I was interim lead. Um, so I was young. I was 35. I had three young children. My wow. youngest daughter was two years old and um, obviously had never, no lead pastor experience. I was ordained and credentialed with the assemblies, but, and so definitely, I think the church wasn't sure what to do with me, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> they were very loving, but they were like, wait a minute, this is not who we thought would be the case. You know, a 65-year-old guy right. who had all this ordained for all these years, you know, yeah. um, but God was so gracious and good to me and in our church. And, um, I really just, uh, you know, said to the Lord, you know, that moment in the scripture when Moses said, um, to God, uh, I don't like, I don't know what to say. I don't, I don't know what to do, you know? And the Lord says, who gave you your mouth? Mm. <laughs> you know, like yeah. he just reminded, uh, in such this, this way that, um, being dependent on the, on the Lord is exactly where it needs to be. So I didn't know a lot about pastoring. I'll be honest, Aaron, but yeah. I didn't know how to seek the Holy spirit. Like I wow. didn't know how to hear his voice. And yeah. so that's really what, um, what got me through every single day and really what should get us all through every day. But it certainly was one of those moments of, complete dependence upon the Lord. And so anyway, I interim lead pastor for several months and um, around January time, they said, Hey, we're going to go look for a lead pastor. And I said, good. Cause this job is hard, <laughs> <laughs> and they said, uh, but you can put your name in if you want. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but have you ever had a moment where uh, you did something out of complete obedience? Like you never thought that the outcome would yeah. be right. The thing, right. but you, but the Lord asked you to do it. So you do it. Yeah. And so, um, my husband and I prayed and I said, well, you know, this is what my vision would be for your first assembly. If I ever had the opportunity to lead full time. And I came to the church council and I told him that, and I remember walking out of that room thinking I gave it my best, you know, like that was great. I don't know what's next for me, but, and, uh, and they came out and said, Hey, we want you to be our pastor. And I, no one was more surprised than me. I mean, really, <laughs> genuinely, <Wow. laughs> uh, that, that they would say uh, kind of all the things in my mind that made me the underdog, if you will, uh, were the very things that they felt like um, our church needed in our season. And so um, anyway, so the Lord really opened that door. And so f- about just about five years ago, I got... Um, we do like, you know, the whole election process. I know every denomination is different, but uh, we had and all the things, but I got voted in as um, lead pastor. And so um, since then, um, it's been, you know, like I said, quite the journey. We we were in a, a bit of a difficult financial position at that time for a variety of reasons, but we um, didn't have a lot of um, reserves. In fact, we were about $30,000 behind on 
bills that we owed. Um, so we were not in the best. That's not exactly where you want to be as an organization. <laughs> we have a school, um, a K through 12 school here, and that was um, over $250,000 behind. And so we wow. were, we really had to make some very tough decisions about whether the school was going to continue, um, uh, you know, if we needed to sell property, you know, kind of all of those those things that you think about, are we going to have to sell assets? Are we going to have to um, fire people? You know, you know, all of that really, really difficult decisions, but things that have to happen. And I remember really, really distinctly um, the Lord saying to me, um, you have to give your way out of this problem. Hmm. And immediately I mean, I thought this sounds crazy, you know, because here I am. Saying, okay, look, I, like we don't have very much right now. And we have all these people we owe, but we have to give our way out of it. And so I went to the church board and um, I said, "Here, here's what I think we need to do. We have to begin the process. And many churches do this, but we were not at the time uh, to tithe on our tithe you know, if you will. So whatever money that was coming in, that we would take 10% of that, just as the Lord says in the scripture, and that we would give it um, to missions. And I'll be honest, they said no. <laughs> and at first they said, we'll give 6%. I said, okay, okay we'll yeah. take like five. And then the next year we're able to give eight. And then by the third year, we're giving 10% um, to missions and outreach. And what I saw that was happening, um, since then, uh, now since then we've exceeded that, and now we're giving above and beyond. We use a the Kingdom Builders um, model. Rob Ketterling in yeah. Minnesota uses that, but we modified it to fit our church. But it basically, it's ten percent of our, and then we also raise money above and beyond for projects. But I guess what I want to say specifically, uh, since probably many that are listening are potentially missionaries, is. Um, your work and when, when churches give to you, uh, not only are we potentially helping you, I hope, but also you're helping the local church because I think that God's design is for uh, that to be. And when when churches are walking in the blessing, uh, when they're walking in obedience to God's design, uh, there is just so much blessing in that. Um, and I think, um, you know, as I just saw, um, quite literally, the more we gave away to missions, the more tithing increased. Wow. I mean, that's the only way I can describe it. Um, wow. It doesn't make any good business sense, but God's math never <laughs> fit. You know? And so as, as we sowed into the kingdom, our yeah. finances for the church became healthier. And, um, you know, really, there's just no other way for me to explain it, except that God made good on his promise in Malachi 3, you know, 10, wow. yeah. that whole tithe in the storehouse, that there may be food in the house, test me and see, and yeah. I'll throw open the floodgates of heaven. And and in just one year, we were giving more to missions than in the previous decade. Um, wow. And I have to tell you this, this was really cool. We had made some missions commitments, I, not under my leadership, but prior, that had actually fallen behind because we weren't able to give anymore. And... um when, as the money came in, we looked back and made good on those promises that we yeah. made. And as we did that, um, again, it was like the Lord restored the pipeline, hmm. you know, of blessing, yeah. uh, which was so cool. And then just one other thought, I, not just financially, the Lord changed, I feel like our church, but also giving to missions really helped us, um, become a less self-centric church. Mm -hmm. Uh, we have an older building, it's outdated, 1980 mauve carpet, you know, like yeah. that pink, <laughs> amazing. <laughs> um, uh, you know, our parking lot, our roof, not really in great shape, but 
before we started giving to missions, all we talked about is how to pay for all those needs. You know, it was like our building was our main concern. Like, how do we, how do we get money to replace this roof or do this or whatever? But after we started giving to missions, after we began to hear reports from countries and third world countries or inner city ministries, something changed. Those conversations began to switch, not so much about what we needed, um, but about what other people needed, you know, and that was so, I think, refreshing and invigorating for our church. Um, And it really changed the narrative of what do we need to what do, what does the kingdom need? Right. (laughs) And obviously, you know, that that's a heart that the Lord, um, the Lord really wants us to have. So anyway, that was just really, I think, a fascinating shift. uh, change. Yeah. And so what, what's one of maybe a lesson you learned the hard way in that, uh, challenging shift or what, what's a leadership lesson you learned maybe the hard way in, in that process? Yeah, that's a, that's a great thought. Well, I think, um, like I mentioned, there was just a lot of things that needed changed, um, in the sense of, I mean, anytime you get new leadership, there's going to be change, but also there was maybe some systems that weren't working anymore, but because we had always done them, you know, kind of that old adage of like, if it's not broke, don't fix it, I guess. Right. But it was, broke. I don't know. <laughs> you know, there was just a lot, a lot of things that changed. Um, and some of them I, I was able to change internally, like without a lot of commotion or notice, but then other of them were, were really gonna, you know, bother some people. And so I remember um, speaking of our building, like I mentioned a few minutes ago. So this is really simple, but we just want our, our, the, our room had a lot, a lot of pews, way more than we needed. And we thought we'll make an aisle, um, going across the sanctuary so that you could like get across instead of having to go right. out the back doors, right. All these things. Right. So I said, well, let's take out some pews. Like we don't need them. Right. We'll take them out. Uh, we'll, you know, get rid of them. They're pink. They're like, nobody wants them. <laughs> okay, like they're, they're so old. And we'll get rid of them and we'll have this great aisle and that'll be great. So I, I'm thinking this is just a great like strategy moment. And uh, we get these pews out of the sanctuary and, uh, we take, put them in the dumpster yeah. because you know, they're garbage. Right. <laughs> and um, I had people, uh, great saints, but people from our, my congregation calling me, telling me um, they bought that pew in 1984 with their five <laughs> months. They that I would just, you know, give that away. And what yeah. kind of person am I? And, yeah. you know, kind of this, um, very, very offended that there would be any kind of shift or change, you know, for the future. So I think the hard way I learned that is that change is hard for people. Yeah. And, um, I needed to really process, um, things in the sense of how can I make, if there's a lot of changes to make, what are some, what are, how, how can we make them in, in shifts and how can we communicate them? Well, those pews weren't important to me. Uh, They didn't matter to me, but they did matter to them. And yeah. so I think looking back, if I was able to, uh, as silly as it sounds, but cast a vision and help them understand that like, this is why it would move the church forward. Or maybe I just should have left the pews there, Aaron. I don't know. <laughs> but the point is, um, just this idea of uh, what hills kind of to die on, what yeah. changes have to take place and the resistance will come and that's okay. And what changes could I leave for um, a chance for more when there's more buy-in or more... Yeah. Um, you know, opportunity, um, or what can we do in phases that maybe will help people understand, you know, a little bit, I will say five years in, we've made more changes to the building and they are met with a lot less resistance, but that initial first kind of change, uh, was very much like a, whoa, um, 
what are you doing to my church? You know what I mean? Like, who are you? And what are you doing? Yeah, for sure. Uh, hard, hard. And then, and then you're, you're pastoring at a time COVID and not just COVID and different, all the things that are going on in the United States. What's it like being a pastor in such turbulent times? Um, yeah. Today with the challenge and, and all that's going on. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think that it's definitely been um, not easy. Uh, yeah. I pray a lot for missionaries, for pastors, for those of us that are in leadership positions. Um, you certainly are met with a lot of opinions about everything. Yeah. And things seem to be more charged, um, whether it's politically, uh, whether that's emotionally. I don't know, right. probably different for everyone, but there's just so so many strong opinions about, you know, one way or the other. I, I'll be honest, I've had to be careful that I don't get sucked into uh, different swirls of emotions that I have about certain, you know, everyone has like certain triggers. And so yeah. I have to be careful to have the mind of Christ and say steadfast that no matter what we're seeing around us, um, yeah. God is still in control and he still has a plan. I think for us specifically, um, we've really tried to keep the main thing, the main thing. And so Christ is always our message. Um, mm -hmm. I, I don't often address um, some of those very polarizing things. And yeah. this is just my approach. Everyone's different approach, right. but uh, because I really want, don't want to take the center off of Jesus. You know, yeah. we just went through the election last year, things like that, uh, just to really try to keep everyone's mind on the word of God, which is everlasting, you know, yeah. the, uh, that it does apply to current events, but it is our source and it is the thing that we need to stand on. Yeah. And so try to always point people back to Jesus. Um, uh, people because of decisions we've made, whether that's about masking or not masking or, you know, um, how many services we have or where you should sit. And I think it has only complicated the yeah. fight to get people in church for yeah. America. Yeah. So. And so, so you said you have to watch, you know, or you have to be careful about your emotions. Are there certain, are there things that you've learned in, in this time on how it helps you not get caught up? Because I think for me personally, I can easily get caught up in the swirl of emotions and what's going on. And, and as you said, I can feel myself drifting away from the main thing and uh, getting caught up in that. Are there some things you've learned that maybe that I don't know that might be helpful for those listening in? Because that that probably resonates with a lot of us. Yeah. Um, I remember at one point, this was sometime last year when things were pretty heightened. Um, I was obviously watching the news a lot, reading a lot. There's all, you know, lots of different sources you can read and, and watch, uh, because there was a lot going on and it yeah. was minute by minute. It almost seemed like the change. And I remember, um, you know, the Lord just saying to me, uh, it's okay that we're, we, we need to be, we need to know the current events. You know, For I don't sure. think we should hide under a rock and right. not work. But I remember the Lord said to me, um, are you spending as much time with me and my word as you are watching and listening to what's going around? And that, I know that's such a simple concept, no, it's, it's, um, Aaron, but that could be me because I wasn't, I mean, yeah. I think I was watching and listening and hearing the news, you know, much more oh, than yeah. I was reading the word and praying. So honestly, I tried to, um, just shift that a little bit, like, uh, you know, not turning those things on or checking social media until I did, you know, X, Y, Z in the scripture. Yeah. 
And that did help me a lot just in general with perspective. Um, so again, I know those that are listening are professionals and almost seems like a silly advice yeah. moment, but I know I got caught up in it personally. Yeah. And so yeah. maybe just a reminder that, um, you know, and I think also thinking about things from a supernatural lens as much as we can than a natural lens hmm. has helped me like asking the Lord, like, what are you doing? Like currently, yeah. what are you doing in Afghanistan? What are you wow. doing in Haiti? You know what I mean? Like, because all I That's see good. is not that, yeah. you know, yeah. so what are you doing? Yeah. And when the Lord can even show us a little bit of that, uh, we, you know, even if he gives us a little window into that, there's just more hope that I can hang yeah. on to. That's a good word, and um, I appreciate the appreciate the reminder. You've, you, it's obvious you have a love for scripture, and um, that's one one of the things that I was reading about you. Where did that love for scripture come from? And um, yeah, where did that come from? Yeah, I think early in my relationship with the Lord, I got saved as a um, high school student. Um, his word was always really fascinating to me. I think. Hmm partially maybe because I'm wired as a reader, you know, yeah. so words are my thing. Like, I don't know, they have that five love languages thing out words of, you know, words are my thing. And so yeah, if I, sure. if you want to uh, communicate, you know, writing, writing a note or things like that really mean a lot to me. So I think yeah. partially cause I'm wired as a reader. Um, but I think his speaking voice is very clear in the scripture hmm. to me. So someone who, um, you know, oftentimes we're like, can we hear God? You know, what is he saying? But the fact that we have uh, 66 books of the Bible that are God's right. voice, I think sure. to me, that's just, you know, fascinating. But um, also I think the word says to love the word. In yeah. fact, I, in preparation for our conversation today, I looked, uh, there are over a hundred scriptures that actually say, write the word of God on your heart. Wow. And the reason why is because it's refreshing. It's life-giving. Right. It changes things, you know? And so I think, um, in my attempt to obey the word, I yeah. also, it, what comes out of that is actually loving it and yeah. writing it, you know, as much as I can on my heart. I'm not, I won't pretend that sometimes it's hard or dry or, right. you know, like not as, not every time you open the Bible, there's like, you know, Start, this yeah, amazing, exactly. right. yeah, light that shines <laughs> out of it. But I think in general, um, when I look back um, on my life, it has just been such a, a, a stable place to return to. Um, yeah. you know, something that has been such a, a consistent, clear guidance, always right, always true, you know, always, always challenging, yeah. um, that, that has really become that. I think also, um, I love teaching the word, which mm -hmm. when you teach the word, it kind of makes your heart, you know, sure. you love it more. Right. And so yeah. it gets a perpetuating, yeah. uh, cycle and, um, it makes our, our faith more rich, more credible, more real. The more you learn about God's word, the more I think you love it. You know, it's kind of uh, self-fulfilling in that way. For sure. And so do you think some of your, you said you had education and teaching, uh, and do you think that helped, that's helped you as you've moved into this pastoral role as far as teaching God's word? A hundred percent. Yeah. I think that was definitely God's plan. Looking back, I didn't know that would be it, but <laughs> uh, even just learning how to, you know, we learned a lot of pedagogy in the sense of like how to help people connect yeah. Um, concepts and terms and that yeah. sort of thing. And I think I definitely used much of that. Obviously it's different content. Um, yeah. It's the word of God instead of grammar, you know, right. <laughs> but, uh, but those teaching concepts have been super helpful for me. Um, yeah. Even in speaking and uh, you know, when you're, when you're sharing kind yeah. of, you know, out of the, out of the scripture, I think that that's been really, really good um, to do that. 
one of my favorite books is the book of Acts. I think mm-hmm. that's uh, another thing that was kind of foreshadowing in my life. I always love the book of Acts. It's obviously about the early church and how the yeah. church grew. And yeah. so now that I am a pastor, I think um, looking back, that has always been stirring in me, uh, yeah. you know, and college ministry is very similar to the book of Acts as well. It's like church planting on campuses. Yeah. So uh, really encouraged by that. Spending some time in that uh, recently as we look at the world around us, because I think um, we're going to see that again. I pray, you yeah. know, that the book of Acts will be more of our reality here yeah. every every passing year. For so. sure. For sure. Yeah. I wanted to also ask you about um, mentoring other generations and um you're uh obviously you're you're a female leader you're you're in a position of influence uh, how are you mentoring other generations not just younger generations i think a lot of times we when we think about we think about the younger generations but as a pastor i would hypothesize that some of the people that are in, in your congregation might be older than you because you're young um so how are you mentoring the other generations this is one thing i wanted to ask you about yeah that's a great question um I, I love that you're asking that because <clears throat> I think mentoring is so important and it's such a, um, we see it in the Bible, right? We see it in scripture that it's very biblical model. And I think that really every season of our life, uh, we need someone that can take us through that season. Not everyone has the same mentor their whole life. I think sometimes we get a little caught up with that. Like, well, I don't have this one person that has been there all the time, but I think that's okay. Every season of your life, there can be, you almost might even need something different. I think of my life, um, excuse me. I, in college, I connected with um, an awesome woman of God named Stephanie Chappelle, who was in uh, Kyle as well, Kyle campus ministry. And she was in leadership there and she mentored me for many years. She uh, just really helped me understand um, how to be a woman of God, not just personally, but also in leadership. She believed in me. She instilled confidence in me. She um, really opened doors for me as a female leader. And at that time, I really believe I wouldn't be even where I'm at today, uh, even though S- Steph has never been to Erie, or, you know, she's been to Erie, but isn't from here at all, you know, but I'm in the seat I am today because you know, 15 or 17 years ago, um, she said to me, look, you can do this. You know what I mean? And it it doesn't have to look like it did before. And, and I think that, so that was really incredible. We still have a great relationship, but I wouldn't say we're not in a like mentoring right now because of just different stages of our life. And then when I got this role uh, right away, um, Jeff Leak, who is a, uh, church planter in Pennsylvania. He's the pastor of Allison Park um, Church. It was an incredible help to me. We talked on the phone almost weekly because I had lots of questions <laughs> and he helped me with, you know, mission structure. He helped me with some of the, that change leadership we talked about. He was the guy I called when they were yelling at me about the pews, you know, <laughs> like I just said, I need a friend, like tell me what to do. Yeah. Um, and so, he was really incredible. Um, but even since then, I think that season, he really helped me through those first like two years or so. And we still stay in touch, but not quite as regularly as we did uh, in the beginning. And then most currently, I think now that I'm settling into this role, um, I've connected with Pastor Rod Loy, who I think yeah. is a mutual friend of hey, ours. Uh, yeah. Great lover of missions. He is awesome. Um, and so I, I connected with him last uh, fall. And he has just been exactly what I needed in this season, yeah. right? So, such an encourager, um, really incredible strategist with leadership, 
helping me. In fact, I talked to him this week about a challenge I had and he helped me navigate it. You know, I mean, just, and then he called me to see how it went. Uh, so he is incredible, has a real heart for young leaders. And, and also, um, as you mentioned, as a female leader, I think, um, we talk a lot about how, uh, we've come a long way in leadership, but oftentimes we do need someone, a male champion or someone who will say, um, Hey, look, even though she's a woman, like her thoughts are the same, like her, her leadership is still good, you know, sort of thing. And, and Rod has been that for me, which has been just made an incredible difference. Just just the fact that, in fact, I think this is how we connected is he said, I believe in you, Nicole. So I'm going to connect you to people that I know also do. And so that's been uh, really incredible. So Anyway, just kind of mentoring period, I think is, is what gets us, you know, further faster. I think that's an Andy Stanley quote, but it gets us, you know, uh, further that way. So I, I personally, um, really think that that's important. So at any given time I meet with three to five, um, people and, and typically they're, they're young women, but there has been in, in some contexts, you know, men as well, or older women than me, but we walk through life. We walk through leadership. I think mentoring is very, um, Uh, unique to each season and each person. So I don't have a certain, like, well, we always go through this book or we always talk about this. It's very uh, unique to each person. So um, there's some uh, young women I'm mentoring now that are coming into leadership roles or think they might want to someday. And, uh, you know, just this week I talked with a a young Kyle missionary who said, you know, I really want kids, but I don't know how I'm so busy. I don't know how I could do it. And I felt like I was able to be like, look, you can, you know, like I did. And this is how, these are some things that would shift, but you know, you don't have to give up if these are dreams in your heart, you know, you don't have to be a leader or a mom, like you Mm. can both things. And, and I think just that voice in her life will make a big difference um, going forward. Um, But I also set up in our church, we have a mentoring program. And so we have mentors like men and women of God who uh, just have life experience and are willing to share it and are grounded in his word, um, that I pair up with younger people in their faith. It's not necessarily an age thing as much as a faith, um, journey thing together. Um, it's twice a month. We do, um, every six months we reevaluate just to see if anything needs shift around. And, um, so there are, uh, let's see. So 48, people, 24 sets of mentors wow. uh, in our church that are meeting on a regular basis. And what I find why I love that is because I can't possibly do all of it. You know what I mean? For like sure. even if For my sure. heart my staff team can't do all of it, but, and the reason why we're the body of Christ is because we all have something to give. And so yeah. I just put a little structure to what we know we should already do probably yeah. organically, but sometimes it's hard to get there. And so we just give a little structure to it. And I would super encourage any ministry to do that because it just, um, that connection point is so important for people. Did yeah. I answer your question? You did for sure. For sure. And um, yeah, it's, 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 as you said, um, mentoring is something that I value greatly and, um, and it's just great to hear your insight on, on how you're encouraging other people to step into that mentorship and, um, and to share it in the process. <laughs> One um, question I wanted to ask you, you, we've talked about you love to read and write. What are some books you're reading now? And uh, obviously you, you're reading the Bible, um, but what's some other books you're reading? Um, just just, just a question of interest. Yeah, that's a great question. So I'm currently reading um, The Blue Parakeet by Scott McKnight. Have you heard of that? Not um, at all. What's that about? Oh, <laughs> um, and so uh, for those that don't know, it's um, 
just really excellent about, uh, I can't actually believe I haven't read it yet. It was one okay. of those things. I'm like, I can't believe I, this hasn't been on my no, book list. I've never even heard of it. <laughs> but it's about how, um, we process and how we read the Bible and how our framework really matters and that the original context matters. And, uh, that when we read the scripture at face value, that's valuable, but the richness comes in digging deeper uh, just like our relationship with Jesus, like cool. at, at, at face or face value at, you know, top value with Jesus, that's great. And we have salvation and we have, you know, all the things, but when you dig deeper with Jesus, you know, you have abundant life, you know, you have all these things. And so that's really how the word of God works. And it actually addresses women in ministry. It addresses yeah. um, some other just hot button topics that what Scott McKnight would suggest is that at face value, we misunderstand and misinterpret some of these things because the intention was for it to be much more of a live in book than a read and put on the shelf book of the Bible. And so um, anyway, super challenging. I've really enjoyed it. I would recommend it. Um, Also reading a lot of books for grad school. I'm (laughs) sure you are. I'm Um, sure you are. Most recently um, I wrote a paper about um, creation theories and how having a personal theology is of creation is actually really important to our faith. And so, um, read a lot of books about that and, uh, really actually starting to feel pretty passionate about how that, that, that core piece of what we believe, um, can really set the trajectory for how we learn about who we are. And so I would, uh, those are some, you know, some things that I take a look at. My first term in Burkina Faso, we were serving there with a, a couple and um, he came to faith. You know, I, he would grew up in an atheistic home. He was sent to seminary to kind of gather and convince people that there was no God. And in one of the classes, it was through the creation story and the study of creation that, I mean, he had a dramatic come, come, you know, he came to Jesus and uh, it was you know, I grew up in the church and when people talk about creation, you know, I had the flannel boards and we've talked about it all the time, but somehow it had lost its um, wonder. And mm-hmm. if I could say it that way, but to listen to him talk about creation and the impact, it, it was just like the wonder came back and the excitement of the process. I mean, all you, you just had to listen to him and watch him. It was so alive and exciting. And to him, it was just a, uh, it's a challenge for me, as you said, the, the book, obviously the Bible is living and active. And, um, but somehow that part of it, I had let become just kind of like this story. Um, but he, he made it come alive again for me today and whatever conversation you'd have, we always ended up into the creation story. I mean, it, if you were in there long enough, we were going to come wow. back there. And, um, but just how it had such a, a dramatic um, impact on his life. So as you look to the future, um, what's, what's something you're excited about? We talked in the beginning about a lesson you learned the hard way. And so we normally start because that, I think people identify more with our challenges probably than saying, yeah, my life's awesome and, and I have no challenges. So that's normally we start the podcast that way. But what's something you're looking forward to the future um, or maybe in the present that you're really excited about? Yeah. Um, well, on a family level, uh, we have a vacation scheduled in October. So I'm awesome pretty for you. About that. Awesome for you. Uh, we're going to head to the coast. And so we're looking forward to that. Um, sure I think you are. the fall time can be you know, fast and furious as we yeah. probably all know in ministry. And so I always kind of wait for that middle of October break, you know, that we're, I'm looking forward to. But um, I think as a church, uh, one of the things we've talked a lot about is um, he- here in, at least in Erie, and I'm really praying around the nation and around the world, 
there is certainly an opportunity for um, God's spirit and and God's glory to increase, for spiritual gifts to increase, for um, Christians to really have to begin to own, know what they believe, uh, own it and act on it um, as we get, uh, even I guess as things evilness and wickedness increases um, in yeah. all kinds of ways. And um, what we've seen here and what I'm really excited about is I think it's it has begun to turn where people are seeing some resistance and realizing um, the decision at hand, the, what, yeah. what they need to decide. And as we know, when people give their whole lives, like genuinely surrender their hearts and their lives to Jesus, uh, what God can do, even with a small group of people that are willing to give it all up for him and to, and to say, God, we want all of who you are. Um, it can be explosive, can be yeah. incredible. And so, as yeah. I mentioned, we, as a staff team, we've been reading through the book of Acts and what we're realizing is um, not to fear um, anything that might be coming our way, you know, in anticipation of whatever that looks like. I'm sure that right. many of your missionaries that are listening well, are sure. going to do persecution in different ways than us here in America, but even on the local church, you know, we've seen some kind of restrictions and these things, you know, that you should do or not do. And as we're beginning to do that, I think it's going to really call Christians to, a decision point, which I think yeah. will, um, some will decide not to, and I do believe we'll see some of that, but I think some will be called to the challenge called to the, you know, called up to the, this opportunity to live in victory, uh, to live in, in, um, you know, in humility, to live hungry for the presence of God. And, um, we, the end of September, we're planning a we're calling it breakthrough weekend, uh, but we're just taking 48 hours a Friday night to a Sunday evening to literally just pray and ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill us. <laughs> and wow. so I'm really excited because I think God uh, certainly pays attention to his people. And when yeah. we ask him for more of him, that's a prayer he loves to answer. Amen. Amen. Well, Nicole, it has been great to spend some time with you today and um, your joy is contagious and um, your love for God's word is contagious. Will you pray for us? Will you pray whatever way you would like to pray for the audience as, as, uh, as we end today? Yes, Father God, I thank you um, for each person that will hear this today. Lord God, for um, every man and every woman that is living out a call that you have put on their life. And I pray today that they would sense and understand that call, even in a more clear way, that they would feel the weight of it. God, that they would know that they're an important part, important piece of the kingdom of God advancing. And Lord, we thank you for just the opportunity to represent your word, to represent your life uh, to the people that that surround us, God, wherever wherever we are today. And we pray, Lord, that we would do it well, that we would represent you well, God, that you would allow our hearts to be turned toward you, our mind to be have your thoughts, our feet to walk where you would walk, Lord God, our hands to serve where you would serve. Lord, I pray that you would empower us with the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would help us see things uh, in the supernatural far beyond what we see in the natural, God. Uh, Lord, that you would give us hope and peace for very difficult situations. And Lord, that together we could know that uh, we are working toward a greater and a bigger cause, something that's unstoppable, God. Uh, we, we love you and we just give you um, all the praise and all the glory today. I'm so thankful for who you are, what you're doing, and how you're working in every corner of the world. Um, we just exalt you. And it's in your awesome name. Amen.